What is Egyptology? What's the difference between fresh, precious and semi-precious stones? Who is Anubis? Who is Frigg? What is the most famous gemstones? What is Anixie, vampires, mermaids, gorgons, you know, myths and legends? What are they? So this is my podcast. I'm Sharon Patoli and this is Sharon's Corner. So we are going to take a journey and explore these wonderful things that I find so absolutely fascinating and I will hope that you catch my excitement when we talk about them. So I'm not quite sure which one to go with first because they're such a vast array. I do love folk and folklore. So if you can think of any stories that we can go and look into, that's absolutely fine. Feel free to put a, um, put in my links, uh, in my notes even, or comments wherever it is on here because I'm not quite sure because this is, this is my first ever podcast. And I must admit, I, I am struggling with it a little bit because um, I did try using my computer, but without a microphone, it's a bit shh, crap, for want of a better word. So I'm actually using my phone because I found that the quality is lots better for, excuse me, whatever reasons. Now, um, if you can hear water in the background, I'm afraid that is my fish tank. And I can't quiet it. But you might not. It might be just a small trickle. I know that on my um, on my books, readings, you can hear it faintly in the background. So if it is, hopefully it's quite soothing and relaxing. Um, sometimes I, my parrot gets a little bit overexcited and he likes to have a chat as well. So you may at some point hear him. I do also have a dog and he whines. <laughs> so he might start as well. But hopefully they will be quite happy and quiet with any luck if not well they're just joining in and putting their tuppence worth in as it were um i've got so many subjects i'm not quite sure where to start so i think the best way to do this is we will start with um let's go through the gemstones because that's quite passion of mine i do love uh, a good gemstone so we have Let's go alphabetically, because I think if we just pick out the ones that we like, well, actually, we could do that as well, to be fair. So, I mean, we all know um, about amethyst, amazonite, amber, aquamarine, and apatite, and agate. But um, there are a few that we are not quite so familiar with, like alexandrite. Um, I've never heard of axonite. Um, aventurine, I have. Um, Androdite, no. Uh, angelite, nope. And ambilagonite and and adularia, which I love adularia because I didn't realise until today that adularia is its um, Latin name and is actually moonstone. And the most fascinating thing about this is I always thought moonstone only came in one colour, which was white and milky. Uh, apparently not. It can come in other colours. Apparently it can come in yellow. Not to be confused with cat's eye though, but it can it can um, show the same um, line that moves across. But then anything where a line moves across it can be classed as cat's eye anyway, because you've got tiger's eye, which does the same thing. Um, and some stones like uh, sapphires, they can have a line that runs across them or they can have a star in them, which makes them, I don't like particularly like star sapphires, but they are quite beautiful because that star follows all the way around. No matter where, which way you look at it, that star follows you. So that's really quite a nice effect on a sapphire. But we're not talking about sapphires. We're talking about um, moonstone. But moonstone um, 
Originally, the name Andalaria comes from a place in Switzerland. It's um, an old name for St. Gothard Pass. I'm not quite sure where that is. So, you know, all I know is it's somewhere in Switzerland. Um, it was first discovered there and it's been, well, used in gemstones, well, in jewellery ever since, which is quite lovely. It's part of a bigger family, so it is actually a part of the Fieldspar, which is a variety, the Andalaria is actually Orthoclus, which is part of the Fieldspar, which Fieldspar is one of the most abundant gem, uh, the most abundant um, minerals across the globe. So there's lots in this family. So this particular Andalaria, the reason why we call it Moonstone is as, uh, if you get a really nice specimen, it's a milky white colour and it kind of glows blue. And apparently, as I've just discovered, the, um, it can actually you can actually get it in yellow, which is quite mad. So that's that's quite insane. It's, um, you can find it in America, Switzerland, Italy, Sri Lanka, Miami, Russia and Mexico. And apparently some of the best, pl the best um, places... Uh, to find it is if you want there's some nice blue crystals which can be found in Russia and in Myanmar you find the unusual color of the yellow I mean I'd like to see a yellow moonstone so if anybody's got one please please feel free to put a link up because I would really really like to see a yellow one I've, I've never seen a yellow one a video would be even better so you know put a little video in there link it up to me fabulous wonderful so that's that's quite um quite I'm actually quite surprised because, again, I mean, I've, I've discovered lately that some things that I never realised that there's, like garnets, for instance, I always assumed garnets were red. Um, and this last year I've discovered that you can find orange ones and green. And then later on I discovered that they come in a whole host of colours, which I was really surprised at. I, uh, so, you know, it just goes to show you that you just never know what is out there unless you look and I'm all up for looking. So the next one on my little list is going to be agate, which you know comes in loads of colours. You, I've seen purple agate, I've seen uh, moss agate, I've seen green agates, I've seen brown agates, red agates. I mean, I've seen them across the board. I mean, it's, um, it is a microcrystalline or um, cryptocrystalline as well, which is a variety of quartz. Um, it's... Um, the silicon dioxide, the silicon dioxide, the silicon oxide in SiO2 doesn't develop crystals that are visible to the naked eye. Instead, they're arranged in concentric bands, which is what you see the concentric bands in your agate, which is what makes it so pretty and what makes it sparkle as well in certain ways. Like, you know, sometimes you just catch a sparkle in one of those um, bands, which is really, really quite wonderful. Um, the banding sets it apart from uh, something very similar, which is um, chalcedony. I've got a few pieces of chalcedony, and I can honestly say my, none of mine is banded, which is a bit unfair, really, because I think I want a piece banded now. Um, it's obviously polished and used in jewellery, but I don't see it so much as jewellery. I see it more in, like, people just have it as an ornament. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there with some very, very beautiful jewellery that's, you know, more than welcome to post it up. Let me have a look. Love to look, you know. I might even go looking on um, <laughs> Google hunting later for it. Um, you know, uh, there's lots of, lots of, like, again, it says, you know, uh, other forms including orbicular agate. Oh, I've never heard of that. What's orbicular agate? 
um, which has eye-shaped rings scattered over its surface, and mossy agate, which has inclusions of green fibrous materials. Oh, so it actually has got that fibrous material in it. See, learnt something else again. It's wonderful. Um, or chlorite. Other varieties include runiform and andro uh, androgeous agate. Oh, I can't even pronounce that word. Something agate. Um, agate and onyx are two specimens that differ only in the type of banding. Oh, that's interesting. So in agate, the banding is concentric, which is circular, while in onyx, it's rectilinear. With some specimens, it can be very difficult to tell the two apart. That's also quite mad. I mean, it's um, the good thing is, is the biggest deposits of agate are found in um, Brazil and Uruguay. Um, so that's quite quite interesting to know. Spain also produces good specimens in Guadalajara, Zaragoza and Navarre. I think I've got the pronunciation of them right. If not, forgive me. Um, so we've got Brazil, Uruguay, Germany, India. Germany? <laughs> Look at me putting an accent on Germany. Germany. Um, Madagascar, Mexico and the USA. So at least I can pronounce one of those right. So um, the next one on my little list is Alexandrite. Now, I actually own a piece of Alexandrite. Um, my piece is actually man-made. At least I think it's man-made. And I actually really, really like it because it is super pretty. Um, oh, hang on a minute. Right. Yeah, it's super pretty. It's It kind of, it changes colour. And not many people know about Alexandrite, but it's one of the hardest minerals, or one of the hardest gemstones to find in the world. It is extremely rare. But... The reason why it's extremely red is because it's a colour changer. It changes from green to red. So it's green in normal light. Under fluorescent light, it turns red. And it's the shade and depth and density of that colour that determines how much its value is. I mean, I, I, I had to have a piece. My, my son actually adores it, and I'm, I must get him a piece at some point. But um, <laughs> when I'm rich and famous, I will. Um, but at the moment, he's just going to have to wait. So um, the reason why it's called Alexandrite is because obviously it is found in Russia and it was um, discovered in the Urals in 1830 on the same day of um, the Tsar Alexander's second birthday. That's 12th birthday, sorry. And it was named in honour of the event. So um, there are two varieties. Um, so you get chrysoberyl, which is the third hardest gem after diamond and corundium, and the other is known as chrysoberyl. So you've got chrysobel and chrysobel. Well, that doesn't. Oh no, as Christopher Cat's eye. Oh, I see. So it's um <laughs> right. So apparently, Chrysoberyl's cat's eye. I've never really knew that Chrysoberyl was cat's eye, but now I do. Um, often has a cold, almost icy appearance, and should not be confused with quartz cat's eye, as it's much less valuable. So it's it is highly sought after this particular gemstone, anyway, because as I said, it's it's colour changing. Um, what you call it um, properties so that makes it extremely extremely wanted it's also the fact that it's quite hard which makes it really really good for rings because obviously you know if you're wearing rings they've got gemstones in it if you go up against things if they're too soft they will mark the stones and you don't want to mark stone because it just doesn't look nice especially if it's excuse me something important so now this one, this one got me. I was reading this earlier on. Um, the next gemstone in the little collection, which is Almadine. Now I love the name of it. Almadine sounds really. Uh, that sounds like some really cool name, doesn't it? Almadine. Anyway, but moving on from the name thing, um, it's quite mad. I I didn't realise that it's actually the um, Latin name 
for Garnet. So yes, I was quite surprised with that because um, in my little book it says, and I should, I should just quote it, um, it says, Amadine is the most common of all garnets and it's also varieties most used, often used in jewellery. So it's um, iron aluminium silicate, which is found in igneous and metamorphic rocks that are rich in iron and magnesium. So it can go, it can be found on its own or with tourmaline and delucite, zircon or apatite. Um, they are mostly rhomboid in shape. So that's always fun fact not to really know. Now, here's the interesting stuff. The colour of this gemstone, it comes as orange to red to maroon, and in which we see the maroon stones more than anything else. Reds and maroons. We don't tend to see the others, but it also comes in yellow, green, and brown. Now, the greens, which is, I think they're called savarite um, garnets, are absolutely beautiful. That green is, oh, absolutely lush. I've been looking one for me other off because he loves green stones so I shall find him one eventually that I can put in a ring because I like to make jewellery as well. I shall put one in there. So it's um it's it's highly prized for pendants because it's 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 quite quite hard. So it's it's seven seven point five on the most scale so that's quite hard. If you bear in mind that talc is um number one on that scale or it's a zero and diamond is number ten. So you got a one. To, no, it's be number one. Talc would be, and ten is diamond. So seven's right up there, past the five marks. So it's quite hardy, which is quite nice. So then we come along over to um, the next one in a little subject matter, which is amazonite, which is well, it's a subject of great debate apparently. So I've I've, I've been reading, and um, it's it's supposed to represent courage and stability. So it's a bit of a. Um, a debate about where it comes where it got its name from because um in one book that i'm reading it says that it was believed it to be um it it relates to the legendary amazons you know those lovely girls out there that knew how to wield a weapon and stab someone without worry or mercy or everything else yeah <laughs> they were quite the warriors good old warrior xena warrior princess moment coming out so um that's one thing so Storytellers throughout history have spoken of the Amazons. Um, they are fierce and tough and always went their own ways, refusing to submit to any clan or government. So their tribe lived in freedom in a town somewhere where, own, where no men lived. So they'd go and pillage the men to reproduce. And if they had a male, a male child, they would pretty much leave it at a village. If they had a female, they'd keep her and bring her up in the same way. So each one apparently wore a green stone around the neck as a talisman talisman to increase their courage and apparently it was amazonite so hence the reason why the name but then also another theory is it's called amazonite because it's found on the amazonian river so again another interesting fact another 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 interesting fact is that the ancient egyptians already knew about it they used to make stuff out of it like um seals for they used to make seal stamps rings uh, for their seals and they used to make it in rings, brooches, and bracelets. So that was quite interesting. And then somebody in the 12th century, and I think this is quite insane, um, she was a, a Catholic abbess, Saint Hildegard of Bingen, or Bingen. I'm not quite sure which way that's pronounced, but I'm sure somebody will correct me. Um, she was a seer and a physician, and she wrote books on, she actually wrote a book on the quality of stones. And she said that, Amazonite soothes the effects of epilepsy. I'm not quite sure how that would help, but well, you, 
you never know in this world, do you? So you'd put the um, piece of, of um, Amazonite on their throat of the people who suffered and apparently it was supposed to help them. How? I do not know, but I'm sure if anybody has any experience of this, let us know how that went. Um, it's also said to be, in some Eastern cultures, it's supposed to be the stone of um, uh, marital happiness. Perhaps I need to get some of that for my upcoming wedding. You know, all that happiness. I don't think I need it, but you never know. Now, another interesting thing about Amazonite is you would think that the composition, because of the shade of green, because it's a beautiful colour green, it's like a... Um, it's like a soft green Amazonite, it's quite pretty. Um, you'd think that there would be a copper content in it, which for years that's exactly what they thought it was. However, lately they came, I say probably lately, probably the last hundred years or so, once they discovered, when they started going through chemical compositions, that they actually discovered that Amazonite has lead in it, which is what gives it its colour, which I thought was really, really fascinating. Um, so, I mean, that's that's quite a, a, a fabulous stone. It is the stone of independence. It's also used as um, the Anhata and Vishuddha of the chakras. So that's number four and five, which I believe is the chest and the throat for that. So its sacred meaning is unhurt and purification. So, again, make, makes a bit more sense. If you wish to clean your piece... Uh, I believe it's sage that you use. I'm not 100% sure. Let me have a quick look uh, to clean it. Yes, sage-infused water. So if you do have a piece of Amazonite and you'd like to give it a little bit of power, go for it. Give it some sage water. It'll be very grateful, I'm sure. So the next stone that we're going to have a look at is amber. Now, I didn't realise this, but um, obviously I knew amber was made from resin from trees but it's actually a particular tree it's actually made from it's it's um the word amber comes from Arabic word of amber which means floating in the sea so I'm assuming it's because there was bits floating in it so hence the reason why they got the floating in the sea but it's actually it is um but it's apparently less dense than seawater so I should imagine that means that it will float and it's fossilized resin of conifer trees so does that mean that different ambers have got different names because i'm intensely curious now whether or not it has so if you've got like an oak amber because it's all it's resin isn't it sap so you know would that have a different name or is it just all under the amber umbrella well if you know let me know because i don't now, um, <laughs> it's formed between 25 and 40 million years ago. So it's um, when the earth was covered with vast coniferous trees. I'm having a look at the history here now, so bear with me. So the trees within these forests secreted resin that trickled out from, from breaks in the bark and often trapped small plants and animals in its droplets, which is our, you know, good old Jurassic Park with the uh, fossilised, uh, what is it, mosquito. <laughs> Always a good thing, that. Um uh, these resinous masses accumulated in sediments covering the ground, hardened over time and eventually turned into stone. Amber contains preserved air bubbles, drops of water and dust particles, as well as large amounts of flora and fauna. It's not unusual to find inclusions of flowers, leaves or seeds, or perfectly in, in they're that preserved invertebrates. Ooh, can you imagine having one of them with a spider in it? Like, look at my piece of amber. It's got a big spider in there. What do you think of that? I'll be like, hee, hee no thanks. 
so yeah it's quite um oh interesting um it's normally yellow but it can be orange red white brown green black or moss colored so the colorless variety is the most prized baltic amber is sukunite so again it has got different names that's really really fascinating it's a pale golden yellow whereas mexican amber is red there's a surprise huh but like the old um, Mexican fire opals, which are also red. So, you know, um, actually, it's quite, quite insane. Now, I know that amber has some interesting qualities to it as well in the um, over the years. So it's um, obviously we have the most famous piece being the bit with an um, with a bit of uh, mosquito in it. That's the word I was looking for some days. Right. So, uh, again, it's uh not got an awful lot on here in germany amber is called bernstein which means burnstone that's interesting so why is it called burnstone uh is an organic gem so is coral pearl and jet oh, i didn't know jet was interesting to know um so it's therapeutic techniques and magical arts uh, amber jewelry going from more than eight thousand years old on display in european museums uh, healing and balancing. So, in the days before industry industry produced dark drugs, amber was held to be a cure of, cure all, which could treat and prevent all kinds of medical conditions. So, for the stone to be truly protective, a power related to the spirit of the tree it sprung from. And that's that's probably really going back into like you know folklore and and legends. So, oh yeah, here we go. So, spirit of the tiger. So, for the ancient shamans, amber had the special gift of connection. Um, it connected us with Mother Nature, a bond that manifested itself permanent state of joy, trust and communion with the seasons. So in the Celtic tradition, this stone represents the power and regenerative force of Mother Earth. In the Middle Ages, amber was used by doctors and alchemists to ward off envy, jealousy and rumour. At a time when superstition and ignorance had it, in, it, had it that the devil was hiding behind most diseases. <laughs> so um, older and stiller in the belief sharing amongst the Baltic people... Um, placing pieces of amber near the cribs of newborns to keep misfortune at bay. So farmers and fishermen around the Adriatic Sea have had a custom for hundreds of years to wear amber necklaces as amulets to protect themselves from rheumatic diseases, prevent disorders of the thyroid gland and keep muscles and joints in good condition. Perhaps we should all have some of that. I know I think I should. Uh, in China, people believe that tigers turned into amber when they died, passing on their courage to the orange stone. That's why Chinese warriors called amber into battle. Well, that's an interesting uh, thing to know as well, isn't it? So, as I said, we know we've got lots and lots of different colour ranges for amber. Now, the only thing about amber is it's quite soft on the most scale. It's a 2, 2 to 5, so that's just a little bit harder than talc. So, again, if you're going to wear it, make sure you're not, like, you know, got anything to scratch it with. So... You know, you don't want to do that. So again, if you want to give it a good clean and make it happy, you use sage-infused water, and that actually helps it. So that's quite fascinating stuff. So yeah, uh, a macerating of oil. Oh, you can use it. You can use it in massage, like you can put your infuse your amber into your oil to give you a massage. Right, it's number three on the chakras, which is Manipura which is place of jewels is what its sacred meaning is and it's located on your solar plexus or the pit of your stomach its color is yellow obviously and its mantra is ram and its element is fire because of its color so yeah again 
really really uh good information there for you hopefully you enjoyed that if you have any nice pieces with some bugs in it please feel free to post love to see them um axonite is the next on their list now um it comes from the greek word which means axe obviously and relates to the shape of the crystals ah so the crystals are let's have a look they're kind of they're um square crystals so the most beautiful examples of these are usually found coating the internal surfaces of cracks in granite rock. So axonite crystals can occur um, as massive transparent clusters or translucent minerals such as microcline, actinolite and tremolite. So um, again, another rare gem. Um, it's actually the name of a group of minerals, axonite, rather than one particular so it consists of axonite, axonite MG, axonite MN, axonite FA. There's like, you got to love that. You get like one, one thing, it's got about 300 different ones. But I've, I've never seen a piece. So if anyone's got a piece of axonite and wishes to uh, show it, it'd be wonderful to have a look at. Um, minerals of the axonite group are relatively uncommon. As a consequence, crystals can be easily cut and are hard to find, which raises their value. Ah, so there's not really an awful lot on that so as it were it's quite an unusual one so next on our list is aquamarine so who doesn't know about a bit of aquamarine i do like a bit of aquamarine i've got a couple of pieces myself actually um it comes from its blue green color similar to that of seawater hence the reason aquamarine mm. very nice um it's a variety of beryl so it's in there with the emeralds and helidors um, which has, they all have the same properties because ah, it's always fantastically good. So aquamarine's blue colour is called by the presence of iron in it. So depending on how much iron is in there, it will depend on that, um, how bright that colour is, as it were. Um, it can also occur as opaque crystals, which have no um, gemological interest. The value of aquamarine is not only affected by its colour, but also by its transparency, but also its hardness. So it can be 7 to 5 to 8 on the Mohs scale, which is always a... So it's quite quite hard again, so that's good for jewellery making. So you do find that the ones we all know about are all the ones that are quite hard because they have got that... Um, they can be used and it won't affect their well you won't you won't damage them when you're wearing them it's also known as the sailor stone uh, because it's linkage with the sea because obviously of its color it's um the talisman of the sea as well so all the blue stones are beautiful and enigmatic but um it's it's name comes from the latin aqua marina and which Legendary benefits of its vibrational powers are related. So apparently some some um, interesting stuff going on there with that. So for the Greeks, so there's a symbol of good luck, which is obviously why the sailors had it. So for the Greeks, the aquamarine represents an amphitrite goddess, protection of calm seas and the oceanides, marine nymphs that were believed to protect and guide traveller, merchants and fishermen. Uh, for the followers of the Yoruba Creed, the aquamarine symbolises the princess of African waters, the goddess of the Yamara Sea, which was represented by blue celestial and protected the sea people. The same attributes, the protective power, is, occasional, uh, is associated with the goddess Sedna, uh, venerated by the Inuit people, so that's your Eskimos. Um, in Irish seas, used aquamarine carved in the form of a sphere for the divination consultations because they believe that it helped them to see the past and the future 
shamans use it nowadays uh, as a psychomagical tool for uh, facilitating the trance states. So Wiccans used it to purify and prepare the energy of the uh, of their aqua before rituals with seawater. So again, association with the sea. So aquamarines were used as lenses to improve the view. Transparent crystals of this mineral were carved and used as glasses to read to improve to read or improve the tired view. So that's quite interesting. So they used to use it as, as lenses. So it's quite fascinating. So we, we have a, um, a chromatic range. So we go from nice pale to real dark green and light green. And some of them are more blue and some of them are more green depending. So the... Uh, you find them, the best sources are Brazil, Madagascar, Northern Ireland apparently have it, Africa, India, Australia, USA and some areas of Italy are also known to have it. Um, if you wish to give it a little bit of a zing if you have any, um, give it a clean with water with salt or an infusion of sage. Always good for that. It's um, also chakra number five again. So we're looking at Vishuddha, which is the um, gorge uh, the gorge over glotis stomach oh no it's the throat chakra okay so it's around there okay so that's quite fascinating uh, the bravery stone is also what it's known as so again another fascinating piece so anti-stress relaxing encouraging heart so the aquamarine is one of the minerals belonging to the throat chakra so if you're going to do some um, meditation very very good for that as it were so we also have, I think, Appetite, ah, Aventurine. But I think, for now, I think we'll continue with Aventurine, Androdite, Appetite, Amber, Golnite, and Amethyst, and, and Angelite on another day. So next week we'll continue with those, because I think we've covered quite a lot, and half an hour of listening to my lovely dulcet tones, I'm sure... You can have a rest from it, <laughs> as it were. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my podcast. Please leave your comments. Any pictures you have, always welcome. Love to look at jewellery and pieces. So if you find anything exciting, post it up. Follow me, um, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week, same time, I think. <laughs> Bye.